Um, okay, so if you if you think of vulnerability as the um, the the process, it's it's the it's the work that you're putting in. It's 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 um, you know using the, the metaphor of going to the gym. Okay, while you're at the gym, you're not going to see the result. You're not going to see you know bigger muscles, um, a leaner body, or anything of that nature. Um, but after repetition and after being there, later you see the result. So same thing, you know, if you're worried about being vulnerable, whether it's on stage or maybe my idea is dumb, whatever that case is, uh, then use that as um, this is the process. I'm not, I, I'm not seeing the result yet. So the result comes later. Um, it's the opposite of the joke on stage. Instead of being you know, instant gratification or instant humiliation, it's, it's um, I'm putting in this work to see a result later. I'm being vulnerable now so that hopefully in the future um, I can I can use this experience, this memory, and recall it and think, you know, this is the this is the result I want. So I want to do it this way. Welcome to Meredith for Real, the curious introvert. That's me. I'm Meredith and I collect people for real. You never know who I'm going to meet next. So come listen as I put my curiosity to good use. Every week, I'll introduce you to someone new, and we'll talk about ways to stay curious and grow. Big thanks to our location sponsor, Court of DeLuna, Pensacola's newest event space, and to Delta Life Fitness in Pace, Florida, the 30-minute women's group fitness plan you can actually stick with. So he is a filmmaker, playwright, novelist, and stand-up comedian, owner of Flawless Arts Production Company, and aspiring novelist. Today, we're going to talk about getting comfortable with being vulnerable, putting yourself out there, what it's like to bomb a project and how it's actually good. Stay tuned till the end when we share three ways that being vulnerable actually makes you stronger. Army veteran, Mm. storyteller extraordinaire, (laughs) my cousin, Noah Waters III, everyone. Yay. Yay. (laughs) So um, when we were talking off mic, we were talking about memory palettes mm-hmm. and you wouldn't tell me what that is. Okay. I want to know. Tell me about it. Uh, memory palette is um, something I refer to for my style of storytelling. Um, I, um, I realized at a like literally an elementary school age that I was meant to tell stories, which I know sounds super pretentious, no. but I, I, it was the only thing, I mean, I, I was, I was and still am relatively unintelligent. I'm not a very smart person. Um, I've been very creative my entire life, but struggled harshly throughout schooling and, um, uh, have memory problems and things of that nature. Um, but I knew as a kid, if I was telling a story, whether it was a lie or if I was telling something narratively for school or whatever the case was, it was better if I was using a personal experience or a memory. So from a young age, I kind of set out, and I hate that I'm going to say this, but uh, like a purpose-driven life. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's, only, it's only bad if you say hashtag before you yeah. say it. Bring out the millennial in me. No, I, um, uh, yeah. So like I set out to live a life that would give me just, a, a, a shit ton of experience and memories that I could put together on my memory palette. And then I would use that memory palette to paint my stories with. So like if this character was experiencing that, then I could recall this 
to use it to tell that story. Oh my God, that's so good. So sometimes, um, like when I come up with an idea, I don't come up with prose. I don't come up with, with concepts. I don't come up with story, which sucks because as a uh, an amateur or an aspiring or a beginning filmmaker, that's what they want. They want concept heavy stuff, like stuff we can go pitch to ABC or whatever the case is real easily. I don't, I don't do that. It's all my stuff is low concept character driven. So like I'll come up with someone who has a dilemma, whether it's cognitive dissonance or something of that nature. And then how do they deal with that? And that's the story. But in order to get there, I have to be able to have some type of empathetic attachment to it and that's always through some type of memory i've had whether it's um uh something i've experienced or something i've seen so i'm a very mental note-taking people watcher (laughs) so are you saying you'll do things just to Mm -hmm. experience them for the memory yeah like instead of going is this going to be safe Normally, it's not a thought pattern I have. <laughs> is this going to be uh, good for me? Is not something I, I normally think of. It's, am I, is this going to be a good memory? You know, is this going to leave me a good scar that I can put on my, my memory palette? That's so cool because so many people try to play it safe. Mm. And um, additionally, so many people are on automatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about most people's day. Mm-hmm. They wake up, alarm goes off, hits news a couple times. Mm-hmm. Not you, as we talked about. No. <laughs> You're no. up. But then... They go to their job. They do about the same thing every day. Yeah. They usually go to lunch the same couple places, and then they come home. And their whole life is filled with that routine. Yeah, I wasn't built that way. I can't, you know, I come from a working class family, obviously, but I I don't, if I did the same thing every day, um, I'm scared for what might happen. Uh, I I can't, monotony is literal death to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't live in the same place for very long. I don't stay around the same people for very long. Um, for many reasons, (laughs) I I think I'm a, a emotionally taxing person to be around. Uh, I take a lot of, uh, energy from people. Uh, I think about things differently than most people do. Um, and I don't exactly, you know, uh, it it just, I, I like change. Um, if I, if, if, if something is the same for too long, it's, it, it turns to be just not good for, for me, my psyche, that kind of thing. But I like that you lean into that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not fighting that. You're not trying to put, um, put yourself in a, in a format of your life that doesn't work. Yeah. I avoid formula at all costs, including storytelling. Like a lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll go into, okay, well we need an inciting event here. I was like, mm, not really. So some people, like, there's a, um, a certain amount of uncertainty and uncertainty that they can tolerate, mm-hmm. right? So um, when I travel, I have to have some, some things got to be planned. Yeah. But then I need to have enough non-plans to get bored because something always magical happens. But I mm-hmm. can't relax unless I have that certain amount of certainty. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that you operate with no certainty? And Not you're necessarily. Pretty no, I, I, I mean... Excuse me. I get what you're saying. Like you want random, but you want it organized. Like, For sure. Yeah. So like, I want something spontaneous, but I want it when I want it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I'm so far as that. And I'm not, you know, like balls to the wall. Whatever happens, happens. You know, I'm going to yeah. wake up and walk out my door. And if the sun is over there, I'll go left. And it's not to that point. I just, I, I'm, I, I free myself open to whatever opportunity presents. I, I don't tend to um, guard myself against 
difference. So, um, you know, I'm not someone who thinks that just because someone or something is different than me that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's right, Mm -hmm. but it does. But the knee jerk reaction shouldn't be that it's wrong. Yeah. Um, So keeping that in mind, I I just I kind of move through life like um, uh, an observer. Observer on Mm -hmm. the seat of my pants, fly by night. Mm -hmm. Um, Not I I don't plan. You know, (laughs) I, I, I get organized on set. You know, uh, and I get organized for specific creative things. But other than that, it's basically controlled chaos. Yeah. Does that help you become more comfortable with the vulnerability that comes with pitching yourself and um, putting a creative project out there, doing stand-up comedy and maybe it not going well? You just accept that. You accept it as an observer? Well, I, um, I, I don't do well with disappointment. I've uh, telephobia, which is a fear of being seen as a disappointment, mm. um, oh, you know, along with depression and anxiety. So I, I don't do well with being a letdown, being seen as a letdown, or letting other people down. Um, however, in the film industry, in the TV industry, and in stand-up comedy, it's nothing. It's almost nothing but failure. I mean, to get a project greenlit takes millions of no's. So in order for me to cope with that, what I have to do is to tell myself that it, 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 it be happy about the no's. Because mm-hmm. all that means is that it's another step to the yes. Um, in the world of stand-up comedy, I mean, it's instant gratification or instant humiliation. So instant. Yes. Um, which is great. You know, you don't have to, you know, like, uh, if you don't do well with people, like at a party. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a little bit of control to the chaos on stage because you have the mic you know, you don't really, unless you have a heckler, you don't really have someone responding. Yeah. So it's like, these are my opinions and my belief and what's your reaction? You know, and then, so the next time you say that again, you manipulate it a little bit. Like, yeah. this got a laugh, this didn't. But then each crowd is different. For sure. Regionally, um, uh, you know, beliefs and politics come into a, 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 an involvement. Also, there's local, like... Um, if you're performing in um, Tallahassee, you might make jokes about FSU. Right. You're not going to get the same reaction if you're doing it in Iowa. Probably not. No. (laughs) That's so true. Mm -hmm. So you just accept that the nose and maybe a flopped joke is a part of Of the the way, yeah, the process Mm -hmm. to getting that. Um, Tell me about like when you experience vulnerability and if you still feel the sting, it sounds like. Walk me through, like, how does, like, if you were going to talk to someone who's like a younger version of you trying to do what you're doing now, what advice would you give about how to digest the no and the sting of a project not working or someone denying them? Mm, I'd probably tell them, don't do it. <laughs> really? I'd probably, t- well, I would tell them if you could have any resemblance of peace and, um, like a glint of happiness in life by doing anything else, I would say do that. Um, uh, the like creative, you know, the, the creative industries are filled with letdown mm. and disappointment and being told no and failure. Um, so if you can, if you can do that and keep some form of sanity, then it might be for you, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
But if, uh, you know, if you need a steady paycheck or if you need some, that kind of control of your life, mm-hmm. it might not be for you. So it's almost like you have to assess how much yes. of that certainty you need yes. to figure out how much of the uncertainty you can tolerate. Right. And you have to be able to manipulate the emotional side of it. You know, creative people were very porous. Mm-hmm. Our, 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 it's like a, I think of like a cork board and our emotions are behind it. Mm-hmm. And if you are constantly sticking a pin in sad, mm-hmm. it gets more and more easy to get through. Yeah, that's you, so if good. If you do it for yeah. happiness or if you do it for wonder curiosity you know um that's kind of where you develop a habit creatively you know there's a theory that the the crevices in our brains are formed through habits so if you do something once it's there and if you do it again it's easier because you've already kind of carved that path and you do it again and then again and then again so that's how um you know they say if you do something more than twice it's already formed a habit you're going to fall into that whenever you walk back unless you go through you know, some form of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, some kind of behavior correction. Yep. That was another episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so how has being comfortable with being vulnerable made you a better person? Um, okay. So if you, if you think of vulnerability as the, um, the, the process, it's, it's, the, it's the work that you're putting in. It's, it's, it's um, you know, using the, the metaphor of going to the gym. Okay. While you're at the gym, you're not going to see the result. You're not going to see, you know, bigger muscles, um, a leaner body or anything of that nature. Um, but after repetition and after being there later, you see the result. So same thing, you know, if you're worried about being vulnerable, whether it's on stage or maybe my idea is dumb, whatever that case is, uh, then use that as, um, this is the process. I'm not, I, I'm not seeing the result yet. So the result comes later. Um, it's the opposite of the joke on stage. Instead of being you know instant gratification or instant humiliation, it's it's um, I'm putting in this work to see a result later. I'm being vulnerable now so that hopefully in the future um, I can I can use this experience, this memory, and recall it and think you know this is the this is the result I want. So I'm going to do it this way this time. Hmm. So. That's so good. And so true. It's it's almost like you gotta embrace that process. Yeah, if you know if you're, uh, you know, just like uh, uh, piss poor filmmakers and directors who are working with actors, they they give them the result they want, and and you might get that choice from the actor, but it's never gonna be as good as you help the actor make the choice mm-hmm. because then they own it, and then they can uh, develop that into the the character themselves. So if you tell them. I need you to be super sad here and almost cry. Um, you know, they might do it, but it's because you told them to. Right. Instead of like asking them why would the character feel this way yeah. and what do you think they would do? Yeah. And then give get get a couple of choices on on camera. Yeah, know? that's so true. I when I was thinking about kind of what to offer some of our the listeners today about why you shouldn't be afraid of vulnerability. I think you just brought up the first thing, which is being vulnerable makes you more connected mm-hmm. to the world. It yeah. makes you more human. Yeah. If you're not vulnerable, that means you have your shields up. So you're not going to be accepting of whatever the outcome is at that time. And you're not going to be able to fully experience it because you're going to be experiencing it from a jaded standoffish standpoint. So you're not going to be getting the full effect. Mm-mm. So the full effect might not be good. 
First of all, let's establish that. But it's informative. Mm-hmm. It's 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 going to help you make the choice later. For me, being vulnerable has just made me more human, I guess. Not that it makes me sound like I was a robot before in my past life, but right. um, I distinctly remember a time where I was so committed not to, to be not vulnerable mm-hmm. and to always look like I had the right answer, to look like I had it together, mm-hmm. to be on, if you will. And it's exhausting. Hey everyone, it's time to take a quick minute and show gratitude to our sponsors who make this show possible and give you some special offers. Delta Life is ladies group fitness in Pace, Florida, and I've been a member since 2016. I get bored super easy and I'm great at talking myself out of exercise, like expert level 5,000. So having a class to show up that's different every time has been winner, winner, chicken dinner for me. And with it just being 30 minutes, there's really no reason not to go. Plus, they do fun social stuff like Christmas pajama parties, little black dress events, and challenges. You can get your first class free to try it out. You can even come with me. There's no annual contract. It's all fitness levels, free childcare. Plus, if you mention the Meredith For Real podcast on your first visit, you'll get a free five-pack of classes so you can really see if you like it. Check them out at deltalifefitness.com. And also thank you to Court of DeLuna Event Space. I freaking love this place. We shoot the show in the groom's room, which is complete with a pool table and all of the awesome memorabilia in the background that you see when we're shooting. But there is also a bride's room with five individual lighted vanities. Big deal if you're getting ready with your bridal party. There's a huge indoor space and outdoor courtyard with jumbo jenga and checkers. The whole place can do events for up to a thousand people and it's in downtown Pensacola. There's an on-site coordinator and I'll tell you, she did my wedding, so she's the real deal. You've got to see all their pictures of the cool events they've done and the community events that they have coming up. It's not just weddings, it's car shows, corporate events, 80s theme, New Year's party, masquerade ball. You can see everything on their Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Court of DeLuna. Yeah. Einstein said if you uh, attempt the same experiment more than once without changing any variables and expect a different result, you're insane. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you, if you, uh, you know, unfortunately he later went insane, but if, um, <laughs> if you, you know, if you're attempting to um, better yourself, whatever that means to you, um, but you're not willing to make changes, you're not, you, you're attempting something that's insane. Right. The, yeah. san- the sanity isn't in, um, you know, the process, the, 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 the sanity is in, well, I just said that completely wrong. The, the sanity isn't in um, tempting it. It's doing it the same way every time. Right. So if you continually make comfortable choices, you know, we don't learn from comfortability. And you have to have that correction. Yeah. And I think um, kind of on that note, too, is it's the long game. Exactly. It's yeah. an infinite game. And that's the second thing that... Um, being vulnerable gives you is it gives you a groundedness that comes from playing the infinite game being strong on the outside is a finite game Mm -hmm. you know like okay you won right in that moment whatever that moment is whether it's you know embellishing your resume or you know telling a fib or um 
just shutting off yourself emotionally, yeah, you won, but in the long game, you're, you're not winning and you're not as grounded and you're not as prepared when the really crazy stuff happens. Exactly. You know, so you can use like the memory palette idea for storytelling purposes, you know, um, like I was talking about getting results based direction from an actor, they might make that choice then and there, but it's not ingrained in them for that character. So you might have to remind them again for future choices and future scenes. Whereas if you let them discover it for themselves, um, then it's kind of ingrained in their character. So they're going to recall it because it was, it's familiar. Yeah. And then they're developing that creative habit. Um, which again, you talk about, um, playing a short game, playing a long game, you know, especially if it's a feature film or a series, you're going to want them to be in that headspace each time they make a choice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, technically on set, um, actors can't make incorrect choices. It's just, you know, the director's job to tell them yeah. yes, no, give direction. So, um, it's almost like the memory palette is part of the unique perspective of being vulnerable. Um, cause like the, you know, taking a direction from an act, uh, uh, act director. direction from a director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is you're following an order, mm-hmm. but to put yourself in that space, whether it's pretending on screen or whether it's pretty real on mm-hmm. stage as a stand-up comic, right. you are gaining that unique perspective, which is the memory palette. Mm-hmm. And I would think that it would make you um, more in tune mm-hmm. with what's going on because instead of resenting your feelings or just trying to squash them, you're like, what am I feeling right now? Yeah. It's like, um, uh, I can't remember, they, they say the day you quit learning is the day you start to die. Mm-hmm. So if uh, the memory palette is constantly changing, you know, who I was a decade ago is not vastly different, but rather different than who I am now. And that's because of the memories I've experienced thus far. So my palate's changed a little bit. Yeah, that's so true. It makes you not regret much. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> no? Yeah, I mean, because you can have... Um, having regret for a memory is not a bad thing. It's a very mental, millennial thought about having this regretless life, you know? Like, I don't regret anything and... Maybe okay. regret's not the right word. I was thinking, like... So you know how you resent things that have happened mm-hmm. to you? Maybe that's the word I'm looking at. Yeah, for. I mean, you can always wish that something did not happen. Yeah. However, think about it. If you had the opportunity to remove that experience, the lesson you would not have learned. Right. So your palate wouldn't be how it is now. And I wouldn't be, for me, when I think about sucky things that happened, I wouldn't be as compassionate. I think Mm -hmm. um, being vulnerable, a benefit for me has been I'm a lot less judgy. Yeah. I used to be pretty damn judgy. Well, I think, you know, the the more limited your experience is, um, the less you have... Uh, those that those pores pores to to attach to or mm-hmm. to to try and uh, touch again. So um, you know, it's like you know, uh, the young children can tend to be slightly more narcissistic and all knowing, mm-hmm. and then the more they realize they don't know, mm-hmm. the more they experience, the more they grow, the more they're willing to learn. Mm-hmm. That's so. so true. I have a friend. Um, from Iran, he said that there's a like a saying there that basically means that you take a cup of water and you put it into the ocean mm-hmm. and you look in it and you go, nope, no whales in there. Mm-hmm. 
And it's because you only know what you know. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that so that's good? perfect, yeah. It'd be cool if I could say it in that language, but right. but no one would know what no, it is. No, it works. Is, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make sure it's a glass. Don't say cup. Because oh, <laughs> I think it's styrofoam. Like, cup. But yeah, cup, glass. Trash in the see. ocean. <laughs> it does kind of ruin the beauty of it, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I'm excited to see what projects you have coming next. So can you tell me? What can you tell me about what you have coming up next? Uh, all my dates are on my website, flawlessarts.com. I'm at Noe Waters III on everything. Um, I have um, a lot of stuff in the works, um, partly because I have ADD. The other part is that um, you know, that's just how the nature of the business is. You have a bunch of fires burning. But um, uh, working. Uh, so my, immediately my next project is a short film entitled Hush Money that I'm really passionate about. Um, it deals with uh, um, sexual harassment and sexual predators uh, in a way in a tone and style of storytelling that I love um, I have a, uh, a mini series I'm working on with a stand up comedian friend of mine it's about um, narcissistic abuse and LGBTQ plus relationships in the world dark and dingy world of stand up comedy um, that's called The Wrong Girl it's a mini series, one hour drama. Um, I have uh, a documentary I'm working on called Take a Breath, which is about cystic fibrosis. Um, a good friend of mine has cystic fibrosis, and um, it's something I didn't know a lot about. I've never done a documentary before, so so far I just have a crap ton of interviews to put together. And uh, obviously, following her with her journey too, she's going on her needs a second lung transplant. So, um, uh, you know, that's that. And then uh, I have my first feature, hopefully shooting next year. Where can we find all this stuff? Um, some of it's not findable. <laughs> some, like, some of the stuff I've worked on is owned by other people that I'm not allowed to take ownership of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, obviously like the shorts and things of that nature will be on YouTube and Vimeo. Um, and your Venmo, Noah. sorry. <laughs> no, Vimeo. Is that right yeah, the first Vimeo. Time? Yeah, yeah. V- Venmo's for money. I, know, yeah. I always get them wrong. <laughs> So we can look at your YouTube channel and mm-hmm. see, like, mm-hmm. just keep an eye out there. Mm-hmm. Hit yeah, the bell, and then normally if, if I have something like a resulting product uh, that that I'm allowed to show, uh-huh. um, I'll, I'll talk about it on, on social media and things of that nature. Okay, good. Because, yeah, those all sound really cool. <laughs> so thank you for coming on. This was Oh, it was a pleasure. Great. Thanks for having me. That, that's a wrap. Good job. Yay. Woo. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends and leave a review. You can also watch the episodes on YouTube. There's hidden curious caches in each episode and the first two people to find them win a prize. So be sure to get my emails for clues and other insider perks at meredithforreal.com.